messing with something in my pocket. Oh, hello. There we go. I love technology. I'll tell you what. All right, we'll try that, see how that works. All right, you can hear me without it probably, but the recording is not, so. All right, John chapter four, we're looking, continuing through biblical worship. What is worship? Uh, you know, we've already said that we now kind of think of music when we think of the word worship, or at least the commonplace is to think of that, but there is so much more that goes into worship than music. So today the question is, what is biblical worship? And I want to look at three things today uh, that will help us. The last point is kind of a, uh, I guess, uh, application to the first two points uh, here today. But let's look, John chapter 4. I won't actually spend much time here, but I think it's a good verse to start off with. Verse number 23, and the Bible says, well, look in verse 22. It says, you worship... You know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. It's interesting, right, when we think about worship and what worship is. And you look at a verse like verse 23 that says, The, the time is coming, the hour cometh. And now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I don't know about you, but I want to be included in true worshipers. I I want to properly, biblically, the way that God desires for me to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it says the Father seeketh such to worship him, which tells me (laughs) uh, that there, there aren't enough. There aren't enough, that we need more. We need more true worshipers of God, Uh, more true worshipers that are worshiping God in a biblical manner to worship him. I think if you went to churches today and asked them, are you worshiping God today? I would assume that most people within the building would say yes. But then if you asked him, what is biblical worship? My guess is you'd get a lot of... um, 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 <laughs> right? You have all well, singing and, and praise and, uh, and prayer and, you know, those kinds of uh, uh, things, which is true to a degree. Uh, but this morning, I'd like to look at two things of what worship is, biblical worship, and then one thing of basically application to go with it. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. God, we do thank you for letting us come today. Uh, I pray that you would help us to come with a, with a spirit of worship. That God, today we are here to, to honor and to glorify you. That, Lord, we seek to please you. Um, that, that God, we truly desire to worship you today. So help us to better learn what biblical worship is. And I pray that as I present these thoughts that you've given this morning, that I would do so clearly and correctly. And, Lord, I pray that we would grow in how we worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is biblical worship? The first point today is something we touched on last week and just want to go a little bit further into this week, and that is worship is from the heart. Uh, it's a heart issue. We, we see in the Old Testament where we talked about it's better to obey than to sacrifice, to follow God than to do the actions that look like we're following God. 
Uh, it, it comes back always to the individual heart. I cannot worship God if my heart does not worship God. My bowing down, my lifting up my hands, my whatever, doesn't matter if my heart is not in worship. And so, so biblical worship is from the heart. What is the definition of worship? We looked at last week, to adore, to esteem worthy. Uh, a more common uh, uh, modern definition of worship is to prize something above everything else. When I put something above everything else in my life, I am then worshiping that, that thing or person. Uh, and so, it, so that's why when we look at worshiping idols, we a lot of times look at it as that was an Old Testament thing. That was an issue way back when, when they had the, the golden images. And you think maybe Buddhists and things like that to some degree as well. And uh, China, in China, there's a lot of worshiping idols still. But in America, when we think of worshiping idols, we just think of that's not something we do. But the reality is, is we worship things, oftentimes without really thinking about worshiping them, it is just what we do. Anything that we prize above everything else, a vehicle, a relationship, money, a position, a title, whatever it may be. Uh, there's so many things in this world that we can prize before everything else. And when we do that, we worship that. God is another thing. When we prize God above everything else, when we place God above everything else, is the time that we can then worship God, that we are worshiping God. And that's a heart thing, right? Because I can say that I'm prizing God above everything else. I can say that I'm worshiping God. It doesn't mean that I am. <clears throat> but the heart cannot lie. And God knows your heart. And so when my heart places God above everything else, that is when I'm worshiping him. When my heart places a title above everything else, I'm worshiping that. When my heart places finances above everything else, I'm worshiping that. When my heart places relationship above everything else, that's when I'm worshiping that. The reality is, is that we have to place God above everything else in order for us to truly worship God. True worship, biblical worship of God occurs when we do is what was first stated in Deuteronomy, and it's, re, it's quoted in the New Testament too, but love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's worship. Placing God above everything else. All of my heart loving God. All of my soul loving God. All of my might loving God. That is placing him above everything else, and therefore where worship occurs. Today's Christianity looks more like what Christ saw when he was teaching, we looked at it this morning in Mark, uh, but I'm going to refer you to Matthew. Same thing, same story. Uh, but in Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9, it says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, but in vain they do worship me. It's talking about the Pharisees and the scribes, and it's talking about the, uh, the traditions of the elders, following the traditions of the elders. And he says, Christ speaking says, these people, they, they say the right things with their mouth and they honor me with their lips. They're saying good things, but their heart is far from me. And if that is not a perfect illustration of Christianity today, I don't know what else is. 
Because today there are millions of people in churches of all different denominations and all different spectrums who this morning come and are saying the right things. And with their lips, they're honoring God and what they're singing uh, and maybe the way they're fellowshipping, all those kinds of things. But their heart is far away from God. The reason why we don't have biblical worship in churches today is because our heart is far from God. Right? We show up to church and think, okay, good. I checked that one off my list, so I'm good for another week. I've done the good thing on Sunday. You know, it's funny, and I love my coworkers, but I've got coworkers who kind of, they think that way. Well, if I go to church on Sunday, then I've checked that off, and, you know, I'm going to make mistakes Monday through Saturday, but I'll go back to church on Sunday, and it'll all be okay because I went to church. <laughs> it's like, well, no, no, that's not really how it works. God desires your heart to be close to him. He says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh to you. He wants you to come closer to him. He wants your heart to be where it's supposed to be. Yet we fall into the same trap the Pharisees fell into when we draw nigh with our mouth and our lips, but our heart is still far from God, and therefore we worship in vain. So many religious actions end up being for nothing. I think about that because I've grown up in a Christian home and a ministry and Christian school and all this kind of stuff. And I just think about how many empty actions there were in my life. And we just, we, we find this comfort in doing the right thing. And there's a reason for that, but that's not what we're talking about today. We find some comfort in doing the right thing that we don't ever actually focus in on what God wants from us. Does God want you to go to church? Yes, he does. Why? <laughs> that's the important thing. Why? It's not that just God wants you to go to church. That's not it. No, God wants you to go to church so that you can learn about him. So that you can be edified from other believers, encouraged, uh, and surrounded by like-minded people. But ultimately, God wants you to be in church so that you can draw closer to him. So that your heart can be impacted by God's word and drawn closer to him. Now, can you only do that at church? No, 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 no. You can do that at home every single day. But God says, don't forsake the assembling together. It's important. You need to do that. Because if you don't, your heart is not going to be able to be where it's supposed to be. Well, why not? Is church something that brings your heart to God? No, obedience is something that brings your heart to God. And if I'm not obeying God, my heart's not going to be close to God. And if God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, then I shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And sure, there are circumstances that keep us away, and there are things that happen that are, are, are good, legit, honest reasons. We don't want people here with the flu. God doesn't want you here infecting everybody with the flu. All right? But, there, but how many times do we make the excuse of why we can't go to church? And it's not, it's not because we have a great reason. We don't obey God, and, and because we don't obey God, then our heart is far from God. If you've missed church two weeks in a row, you feel it, right? You, you feel it in, in your bones. You, you, you understand it in your soul. Man, I'm missing something. You know, life is, is, is rough. I'm going through these frustrations and these hardships. And I hear it all the time from people who are out of church for a while. And they come back and they're like, man, I just needed this. I was like, yes. God told you that. You need it. That's why you're supposed to go. 
is to put your heart in the right place. Now, now, not every time we come to church, our heart's in the right place. And not every time we leave church, our heart's in the right place. But I can tell you, if you skip, if you, if you just don't come, your heart will not be in the right place. And we talked about that last week a little bit with, with let us come and worship. But we cannot just show up and, and give lip service to God. It's about our heart. And we have to be careful because sometimes we teach kids, and, and listen, I, I'm all for the because I said so as a parent. I'm 100% for that. Kids need to obey their parents. But we have to be cautious and aware, especially as our kids grow, that we're not just going to church because I said so. That might be the ultimate reason why your kid is coming to church or why my kid is coming to church, because they didn't have the option. But we need to understand that we cannot just let them come and do lip service to God. We need to have them come and learn the importance of the heart service to God too. Worship, true biblical worship is from the heart. Number two this morning, biblical worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Worship comes out of your heart. So what's in your heart will come out, right? We learned that uh, in scripture as well. What's in your heart eventually is coming out. And so if you'll have worship in your heart, it will come out as well. What does 1 Corinthians 10 tell us? Verse 31, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Every action, every step, every word, every thought, uh, it should be to the glory of God. Making worship a lifestyle. Everything that you do should bring honor and glory to God with a heart for God and therefore a lifestyle of worship. Worship should be infused in our life. And here's a good Greek word for you, oozing out. Worship should be oozing out of us. Everything we do should bring forth this glory to God heart that, that, just, that just pours out to him worship. I've heard the phrase by several different people, spiritual schizophrenia. And this is an area that, that happens in a lot of Christians, and we fail to worship because we have this divided heart, two different sides. And the Bible talks about this as well. But this idea of a heart divided, enough of the world in us so that we aren't happy serving God, and enough of God in us that we're not happy serving the world. And we're living this double lifestyle. This, this double-mindedness that the Bible talks about. We either love God with all our hearts or we don't. It really is that simple. You cannot kind of love God with all your heart. It doesn't work that way. If it's all, it's all. And if it's not all, then it's not all. And God says you can't serve two masters. You have to love the one and hate the other. Cling to the one and, and despise the other. You, you, you have to come to this decision. It, and it is a decision. And God can grow you in it and help you with it. And, and you need God's help with it. But at the end of the day, we cannot be double-minded. We cannot live in this uh, one way one time and another way another time. This, this morning I'm, I'm worshiping God and this afternoon I'm not. Worship should be a lifestyle where everything we do brings honor and glory to God, where everything we do is worshiping God. 
If God is second, you cannot worship him, right? We just talked about that. Worship is, is placing something or someone above everything else. So if God is second, you can't worship him. And again, that's where we fall into as Christians, where we come to church and we say, I'm here, aren't I? But is God first? At this very second, is God first in your life? Is God first on your heart? Is God first in your motives? At this very second, if not, you can't worship God. Is it the concern or the worry of what tomorrow holds? Is that first in your heart? You can't worship God like that. Which means you can't get the right kind of help that you need because of that. We have to understand that worship is not a Sunday thing. Worship is not a Wednesday thing. Wednesday, or Wednesday, worship is a moment by moment thing. And when we put worship into this bottle or container and we have our worship service and then the preaching, that's not what worship is. Now we've told our children and we've told new Christians and we've told everybody else worship is for 10, 20, 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and that's it. It's not what worship is. Biblical worship is a lifestyle. And it's something that should ooze, I love that word, ooze out of you. How how can we get there, right? Well, we know worship is is from the heart. So I know I've got to get my heart right in order to worship. And we understand that, that, okay, well, if I'm going to be worshiping God the way God desires for me to do, then it's, it's anything that I'm doing at any moment of the day, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, And so it's got to be infused into my life, and and it's supposed to be a lifestyle. So let's spend the rest of our time this morning on on the simple fact that worship needs growth. Worship is is one of these things that throughout our life we grow into. We worship with our heart, and anybody can worship. But I believe it's something that, that we should grow in. That we should worship, if I can use the word better, I'm not sure that, that makes the right sense, but worship better, worship more. Worship more the way that God desires for me to worship. And that takes growth, and it takes a little bit of time, and it takes a little bit of work. So how do I grow in worship? Well, number one, you've got to love God. You've got to love God. The more I see God, the more I learn about God, the more I love God. And I, I've tried to get this through a lot. The better I know God, the more I'm going to love God. The least I know about God, I can still know a very little bit about God and know that I love him. But the more that I know about God, the more I love him. Because the more I learn, the more that is, that is given to me, the more that I understand, the more I realize, my goodness, there is no reason to not love God. At any point in my day, at any point in my life, I have great reason to love God. So how do I learn more about God? Well, obviously, we've got to read our Bible. We've got to take the time to learn about God in our own personal lives. Set a specific time 
that will allow you to read the Bible each day. May I encourage you, and this is just an encouragement, don't do it first thing in the morning or last thing at night when you're sleepy. Some of us, we think, okay, the best time, if I'm going to make time for my Bible reading, I've got to get up a little bit earlier and set it there. And listen, that's better than nothing. By all means, go for it if that's what's best for you. But oftentimes, we, we open our Bible at times when we're tired. And so then when we're reading, we're not really gaining everything out of it because we're still trying to wake up or we're getting ready to go to sleep. And so we're sitting there reading, are we retaining what we need to retain? Find a time, lunchtime, uh, after work, uh, you know, leave a little earlier for work and so that you get there and you can read in your car before you go into work or whatever it may be. Some time that you've had time to wake up a little bit or time before you're getting ready to snooze off to sleep. A time that you can actually meaningfully read and learn from God's word. And do whatever's best for you. Again, that's just a thought. You, if, if that works for you, do it. We got to read our Bible, right? That's the, the, the easiest way to love God because then we experience God. We learn directly from him who he is, and we can do that. Not only do we need to love God to grow in our worship, we also, number two, need to obey God. Obey God. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Such a simple verse, yet uh, such a slap in the face verse. <laughs> right? It's like, oh yeah, that's simple. Do, don't just listen. Do, don't just read. Do what God says. Well, how, how do I do that? It takes work, does it not? It takes effort to do what God tells you to do. Have you ever read God's word or been in a sermon where you're listening and God spoke to your heart about something and, and knowing what you need to do, you're thinking to yourself, oh, seriously? Do I have to? I know that's not the right heart, but if you're anything like me, you've had that experience at some point in your life. Where God said to you clearly, through reading or listening to God's word, God said, you need to stop this or do this. And you're just sitting there thinking, oh, man, I wish I hadn't heard that. <laughs> oh, I wish I wouldn't have read that. Now I'm going to have to do this because I know I'm supposed to because God's told me to do it. Oh, I just wish, I just wish I hadn't. The reality is, is, to worship God, we have to love God. We also have to obey God. If we're not obeying God, he obviously is not first. If we're not obeying God, we obviously don't love God. God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is, is right in line with worship. It's a vital part of worship, actually. To be able to obey God and, and do what God tells us to do is something that we have to take some time to work on and, and to pray on and say, God, help me with this. Because I don't, you know, we don't usually say it this way, but the reality is I don't want to obey. Right? And there are things that God says for me to do that I just, I just don't want to do. And I've heard all the excuses because I was fortunate enough to grow up in ministry and in Christian, and went to Christian college and Christian school and all that kind of stuff. So I've heard all the excuses. 
well, it's just really not my personality. Okay, did God tell you to do it? <laughs> and then obey. Well, this person's better at it than me. Okay, did God tell you to do it? Then obey. A lot of people argue with God for why they can't do what God's told them to do, yet God has told us, I will equip you to do everything I've told you to do. But why don't we do those things? It's because we make it about us and not about God. We don't love him enough to obey him. And I love me too much to obey God. Everything, every sin we commit has, a, has at least an ounce of selfishness in it. At least. And probably a lot more than that. But it has this idea of, for myself, I want this, so I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. For myself, I want this, so even though I know it's wrong, I'm going to do it because I want it for me. Sin is full of selfishness at every turn. We've got to obey God if we want to grow in our worship. Can I give you six things uh, as you're reading your Bible uh, that if you can ask these questions, it can help you to grow in your worship? If you want to write them down, by all means. If not, listen back later. Six things to apply uh, what you read in, in God's Word to your life. Number one, is there a promise to claim? And what I read in my, in my Bible this morning or this afternoon or this evening, is there a promise that God made in Scripture for me to claim in my own life? If there is, then claim it. Did God say, I will do this for you? Claim it. Number two, is there a lesson to learn? I'm reading my Bible, and I come across something that, that is clearly a lesson that I need to learn in my own life. Number three, is there a blessing to enjoy? Sometimes we read God's word, and we, we look right past the blessings that God offers. And we go through, and we're just, we're just reading, 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 and we miss the fact that there's actually something here that I'm supposed to enjoy. God desires for his people, his children, to be happy. And so much of Scripture is filled with blessings to enjoy. Number four, is there a command to obey? Is there a command to obey? Is there something that God said, do this? Or refrain from this? Whatever it may be, is there a command in what I read to obey? Number five, is there a sin to avoid? So much of Scripture warns us, beware, woe is the man. All of these things of sin that we need to avoid, flee from. God makes it very clear. So as I'm reading my Bible on a daily basis, I need to ask, is there a sin that I need to avoid, that God has put in his word that has told me, avoid this? And then number six, is there a new thought to carry with me? Is there something I read today that I do not remember ever reading or hearing before? Because scripture is so deep that no matter how long you've been in church and how often you read your Bible, you're bound to come across something that all of a sudden 
the light bulb comes on, or something else that you've always heard. We talk about in the afternoon services sometimes. I've always heard this, but I don't see that. Here's what the Bible says. And all of a sudden, something new carries through. Is there a new thought to carry with me? And that's a great thing. All of these things are great things to do what, what Psalm tells us to do, to meditate on God's word, to think through and think over. And as I go throughout my day, and as I, after I've read, I've read my Bible, to, to go through and look at these things, what promise can I claim from what I read? What lesson did I learn? What blessing can I enjoy? What command am I supposed to obey? What sin am I supposed to avoid? And, and what is something new that I've read today that all of a sudden I, I need to carry that with me and think on those things? You know, the Bible tells us the things that we're supposed to think on. It says to meditate on God's word, which means we're supposed to think on God's word. And it tells us not to, not to think about some of these other things in life, but to think on the things that are pure and true and, and, and the whole list there. Uh, and, and we have to have this. I just sounded like President Biden, you know, the thing. Um, sorry. <laughs> the whole list there of the things that we're supposed to think on. And I'll tell you what, if we just take that one verse... And take our day and say, these are the things I'm going to think on. And then apply that to our scripture reading throughout the day as well. It puts us in a place, it puts us in a spot, it puts us in a, on a heart and a mind of worship. Because my mind is on God. My heart is on God. How do I grow in worship? I have to love God. I have to obey God. And then number three, I've, I've got to pray. Prayer is the most powerful tool that God has given us. And yet it's the thing that we take so lightly in Christianity. God says, if you ask, I will give. Now, hold on a sec. <laughs> wait, wait a second now. What? Yeah, that's what he says. We understand in the teaching of God and, 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 and the teaching of prayer and what, all these things. It's, it's, it's whatever is, is right. If I ask for it, God will give it to me. If it's not against God, if it's not against what God desires, God will give it to him. And he says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Is God a liar? No. So why aren't we praying more? Why aren't we asking? Say, so, well, I pray at my meal. What do you pray at your meal? It's important. We need to pray. I think we need to pray at our prayer meals. What do you What do you ask at your What are you praying for? For me, I always I always like to start with thanking God, because I understand that it's not always easy to get right. The, the, some food costs more than others. So when I'm eating a more expensive meal, I like to thank God for that. When I'm eating a very basic meal, I like to thank God for it because I know that I get to eat. And I am happy about that. I like to eat. I thank God for it. And I thank him for the provision for it. I don't always ask for it to be a nourishment to my body because not everything I eat is a nourishment to my body. But for me, a prayer, a prayer at my mealtime is, is a thankfulness for the, the deliverance or the provision, excuse me, that God has given I want to give him honor for that, glory for that. But you know, a lot of times I, when I'm praying for my meal, I'm not asking 
not asking for forgiveness. You know? It's very rare we sit around the kitchen table and dad starts to pray and he says, Lord, please forgive me for the language I used in the car today. Hear all the kids' eyes go, what? Right? It's not, it's not what we're doing. We're praying for a meal. We've got to pray. Take time to pray. Take time in the morning. Take time throughout the day. Take time at lunch. Take time in the afternoon. Take time in the evening to pray. Talk to God. That is drawing closer to Him. As you talk with God and as you listen to what God says in response, you draw closer to Him. And as you pray and, and, and go to God with your needs and you watch God respond to that and provide for those things, does it not make you love God more? And yet again, we avoid prayer so often within a Christian's life. You say, well, Bible reading takes time and thought and uh, focus. So we make excuses for why we don't have time to read our Bible. Prayer. What's our excuse? Well, I had the radio on. Turn it off. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. You don't have to verbalize words to pray. You can pray anywhere at any time. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing more um, encouraging and exciting than needing God in an instant and praying quickly, God, I need you, and him responding. I catch myself in conversations with people sometimes, and I'm talking, or they ask a question, or we're getting very serious conversation, or, or uh, I'm trying to accomplish something in the conversation, and it's not going the, the way I want it to go, where I have to, as that person is talking, or sometimes as I am talking, I'm praying to God and saying, God, I need your words. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your guidance in this conversation. And God answers. Prayer is such a powerful thing. You know, you can look at the wonderful stories of George Mueller. There may not be a better example than, than you look at the faith of George Mueller, but you look at him uh, with the orphanage kids and praying with no food on the table at dinner time. Lord, we need food. Ding dong, knock, 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 whatever it is, there's food at the front porch. Incredible stuff. Is George Mueller more important to God than I am? No. Is he more important to God than you are? No. So how did George Mueller get to see prayers answered on a daily basis? He prayed on a daily basis. So to grow in your worship, you got to love God, you got to obey God, you got to pray to God. And that's where that growth will come from. Biblical worship comes from the heart. Fill your heart with God and do it through Bible reading, through prayer, through obedience. Make worship a lifestyle. Let worship ooze from your soul. And worship God biblically the way that God desires for you to do so. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a heart of worship. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a lifestyle of worship.
I pray that you'd help us to prioritize you above everything else. And God, I pray that we would come to the realization of the need for the moment-by-moment worship of you. And God, that you would forgive us. God, that you would humble us. God, that you would bring us to the point of understanding. Lord, as we learn more of you, that we would grow to love you better and worship you more. Lord, help us in our own self-discipline to set us apart time each day to read and to learn of you. Lord, help us in our prayer life to be faithful and talking to you and praying to you. Lord, ultimately that we just come to this heart of worship to not be like the Pharisees where we have the, the lip service, but Lord, that we truly, our heart is where it's supposed to be and that we truly worship you. God, help us this morning to worship you biblically, I pray in Jesus' name. Their heads